Hello, everyone, and welcome to BibleQuest.tv, the Tuesday edition. We're glad you're able to join us today. Whether you're coming in on the Zoom app itself at BibleQuest.tv or you're coming in through Stephen's Facebook page, we're sharing it live. Hopefully, we're sharing it live on the Facebook page. Um, if you're coming in on the app, just use your Q&A box by clicking the Q&A button on the bar at the bottom. That'll bring up your Q&A box. Type in your questions, text them in. Or you raise your hand if you want to come on using your audio, too. There's a little hand button. Raise your hand for that. And, Stephen, how do they do it on your Facebook page? Oh, and welcome, so, Stephen. I'm so glad you're here today. <laughs> it's good to be here, Drew. Um, so we're trying something a little different today. Uh, Jonathan is going live via my Facebook page. So you will still see the video on my wall. Feel free to comment below with your questions and comments as we go through the show today. Um, but uh, that uh, that's what we're doing today. So if things look a little bit different, we're experimenting today. Okay. We'll see how it goes. Uh, Scott from Gettysburg is down in Gettysburg. How you doing, Scott? Good to see you here today. Good around, Drew. How you doing today? I'm doing very well. And I think Jeff is with us, but I don't see him yet, or I see his name, and he's on, he's on mute. Is Jeff coming in? Hi, Jeff. Hey, sorry about that. I forgot to turn my camera on. Oh, that's quite all right. Glad you're here, though. But there's something covering your lens. Hmm, that's interesting. That slide. And uh, Stephen did mention Jonathan. Jonathan Sadler is our new web engineer who will be helping us out to get through uh, all of the monitoring and technical stuff. Jonathan, welcome aboard. Glad you're here. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, good to uh, finally be a part of this. I've been watching this for a while, so hopefully uh, it all goes smoothly on my end. <laughs> okay. And if it doesn't, you'll be the first we tell. Talk to now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for helping out, Jonathan. Yeah, thank you. All right. So, gentlemen, today we've got a question that came in from somebody by the name of Mark. And uh, the question is, is it smart to be a walking billboard for Christ? That's interesting way to start that. I didn't realize that's the way it started. That's good. The question continues. I have several shirts that say things like, Jesus is God, or I belong to Jesus Christ. When I wear them, I get a lot of different reactions, a few compliments, but a lot of people seem afraid, like maybe I'm crazy. I don't know if I should wear them or not. I know the shirts can Good question, guys. How do we want to address that? Well, first, let's uh, look broader at just from a biblical point of view uh, to not the literal idea of billboard, but just in general. Should we be walking examples, publications, uh, advertisements, whatever, for what God can do with a sinful human brain and bring them out of darkness into light? And the answer biblically would be? Absolutely. Yeah. And what would be some biblical texts? Well, you just referenced coming out of darkness into light, which makes me think of First Peter chapter 2. Um, let's turn there. First Peter 2. It's in verse 9 and 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. You may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. 
once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I can't, you guys can't see me. My camera's not working, but uh, I'll speak up here. Philippians chapter 2, Paul says something, kind of reflects something that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. In Philippians 2, for it is God, this is starting verse 13, it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and questionings, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you are seen as lights in the world. And of course, that lights in the world reminds us of uh, what statement from the Sermon on the Mount? You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. That's where in Matthew 5, right? Five. Yeah. Nor do people light a lamp and put it on a bushel but under ba- uh, or, or under a basket. Uh, excuse me. Nor do people light a lamp. Did I say bushel? I think I did. Nor do a burning bushel. And put it under a basket but on a stand and it gives light to in the ha- all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So we, we need to be uh, seen um, in a way to give glory to God, not to give glory to ourselves, Matthew 6, uh, but, and doing good things to do that. Now, By the way, Drew, you're still sharing your screen. Oh, thanks for bringing that up. Sorry, carry on, Scott. The question <laughs> here is how effective is a T-shirt at doing that. So in the texts, and, and I don't think there's an absolute uh, yes or no, right or wrong here to this, but it's a really good question to be thinking about. Um, in the text, it talks about let your good works be seen. Uh, in Titus, it talks about our speech, you know, should be exemplary. Uh, our behavior should be in such. Um if we're just talking about what we wear, did the Pharisees wear some things that made them kind of stand out? Yeah. They would have those long tassels and the broad phylacteries, like that scripture box on their head. And they're just a little extra big. Yeah. Do you suppose that was a really um, powerful way of getting other people to think more about God? (laughs) No, <laughs> it brought all the attention to them. So, wearing something is not the primary way, you know, to to be an example. Um, although I, I think it could be, and we'll ask for maybe some examples of how that would be in a minute. But if we're wearing something, it also depends on how we're acting and backing that up. Years ago, Paul Harvey was on the radio. Told anecdote a person was in line behind a car at a red light and the car in front of them had a bumper sticker it said honk if you love Jesus well, well, uh, we got to mute Jeff the sound is taking away from the, the, the audio on you sorry about that that's alright just okay all right. Jeff's having technical issues so we'll continue without him for right now so the uh, the car in front at the red light, said the bumper sticker, honk if you love Jesus, which, hey, that lets everybody know where that person's heart apparently is, right? Uh, The person in the car behind thought, well, I love Jesus, so they give a little beep on their horn, uh, at which the person in the car with the bumper sticker 
started yelling and cussing at them, telling them the life was red. So uh, one thing to keep in mind is to, that the behavior has got to be more important and deeper than just something on the external. Having said that, uh, might, might a t-shirt um, be helpful? Um, might it lead to conversations? What are, what are some of your thoughts? Oh, yeah, it could, it could spark a conversation depending on what is actually being said on the T-shirt, or it could spark antagonism or it can spark fear. Yeah, there's just different methods of letting people know that we're a Christian that will be effective with different types of people. Um, I suspect that a T-shirt that says Jesus is God, there would be some other believers who might be like, oh, wow, look at that believer who's not ashamed to say that Jesus is God. I believe Jesus is God as well. And then there's going to be some people who see that and like, man, like that's kind of obnoxious. Like that's kind of in your face. Like I don't believe Jesus is God and you're wearing this t-shirt. That's like, you know, making me feel kind of judged because you're uh, kind of proclaiming that off of your t-shirt. And so different people are going to react in different ways and we can't control how people react always. Uh, so we have to kind of think through possible situations. Is this going to be effective? Who am I going to be around? How might this be perceived? Are some legitimate questions we ought to ask? Yeah, that other second thing in his question says, or the other shirt says, I belong to Jesus the Christ. Now that's good. That's not as, that's not as antagonistic, right? Maybe. It depends on, on, the, on the person. That, that is probably a little more passive way to put it. It's basically you're saying, I belong to Jesus. And so people might not take that one as kind of in your face as uh, maybe some other things that could be on a t-shirt. Yeah. Between the two. I want to, I want to make sure that we're, it's clear. We're not, you're not suggesting that we need to back off of what we believe and what we should be saying, right? You're just saying you're, we're talking more about the, the grammar maybe. And, and the wisdom and the effectiveness. And right. between the two, between the two slogans. Yeah. I would go ahead, Stephen. Oh no, go ahead and finish your thought. Between the two slogans, I would think the more effective one was saying, I belong to Jesus Christ. Uh, because what's being said, or if you had one property of Jesus Christ, um, what's being said when a person states that? What's being communicated to other people? That's, that's their choice. Their commitment is to. I, I am a Christian. When you tell somebody else, you know, maybe what to believe which that's part of what evangelism is, but on a t-shirt, is there a, is there a discussion? Is there a reason? First Peter three fifteen says, when someone asks you for a reason already, always be ready to give an answer. When someone asks you for a reason, if a t-shirt just simply makes a statement without presenting it, of course, what you're hoping for is that they'll ask and it'll lead to that. But I think some of those type of statements can look at can be looked at as sounding like I'm making a statement. You should believe it there, and you know that's anybody can wear any shirt that says anything. I could wear a shirt that says you know the sky is orange, and but there's not a there's not anything to accompany that. So between the two, I would say that the first would lead to just a better identification. Oh, that person's Christian. Whereas the other one sounds maybe like, here's a statement. I believe it. You should too. 
but it's not going to be believed just because somebody wears a t-shirt saying it. And one of the main things you want to think about is kind of like the car situation. If you're wearing a t-shirt that says something about Jesus on it and you're being mean to people or you're cussing people out or you're lying, it's, it has a similar negative effect. And that's, that's, that can be a big deal. So, so the first way is the way Jesus talked about you be a light, do your works in such a way that people will see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. Hopefully people know that we're a Christian without the t-shirt. Um, but there may be people who are alerted to that fact with a t-shirt. There's, there's a principle here in all of this. That I think is helpful in Colossians chapter four, verses five and six, a Colossians four, five and six, Paul writes, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And I think that's just a helpful principle when we're thinking about what kind of clothing we're going to wear, when we're thinking about how we speak, when we think about who we talk to, which is all sorts of different things, Right, is to do that with wisdom. And I love the image of it being seasoned with salt. You know, you can get the same nutritional value out of something, and it can taste good or it can taste bad. So there, there's something about just the message is the most important thing, but there's also the presentation of the message. And to be clear here, we don't need to get too wrapped up in making it so presentable that we get distracted from the message. But if we have an opportunity to make something more effective or less effective, depending on our audience, that's helpful. Paul illustrates this all over and over in the book of Acts, depending on where he starts with people um, with the Ethiopian eunuch. He's reading Isaiah 53, so that's where he starts. That would be effective. At the Areopagus, at Mars Hill, Acts 17, Paul starts with, hey, you guys are very religious. Here's an altar of the unknown God. We'll we'll start with that. And so Paul is doing what's going to be effective for different types of audiences, and we should be thinking about that same principle. Let me throw in a little. What happens if someone says to you, well, what about Jesus when he went in and tore up the tables in the temple? That was his house. <laughs> ah, okay. You answered it too quick. Yes, that was his house. All right. Um, or as he said, his father's house, uh, in quoting the text. Uh, practical question. Um, have any of you guys ever had a good conversation start as a result of a t-shirt? And, the result uh, of a t-shirt? You know, it's kind of interesting. I have a shirt. It's not a t-shirt. Uh, and it says Adelante. And, uh, of course, that's a Spanish expression. And when I wear that shirt, people very frequently say, what's that about? But if I wear a shirt that, you know, one, one of my camp shirts that say Sons of Light, and it has a passage of a scripture quotation on the back of the shirt, nobody ever stops and asks about that. Um, it's kind of interesting. People are going to be, people are wary of talking about the Bible. They're wary of talking about religion. And we do have a, uh, we do have a, a comment. Uh, not really opposed to the question that, that's come in. Um, Matt Vaughn said that, that t-shirts can be, they can lead to a lot of misinterpretation and, and possibly deter, deter conversation. So, uh, it is a risk, um, you guys want to spend some time talking about that? That's kind of what, what Jeff was bringing up. A lot of people tend to avoid 
talking to someone that has some sort of religious t-shirt on. Um, so would it even be worth it? You know, here, I'll say this. We probably all feel like we need to do a better job of just living Christ so that I hate to use the word ooze here, but I, I don't know a better word. People don't <laughs> use ooze. <laughs> okay. All right. Radiate. Let's just, give Spread. me the word. Radiate. 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 Good word. Yeah. So that the, the, the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ radiates from us so that, so that we're, we're quick. We're ready to talk with people about it. That's, yeah. that's what's on our hearts. That's what we're eager to talk about. We all want to do a better job of being like that. And to the extent that I am like that, uh, if I have a shirt that has some kind of scripture quotation on it or whatever, uh, that may or may not trigger a conversation, but I'm going to be confident and ready to talk about that when an opportunity presents itself, or I may even create the opportunity. Whereas if I'm not like that, the t-shirt is probably not going to get it done for me. Right. I can remember one time, but I've got a number of t-shirts from Gary's camps and Joe's camps and other camps that'll have a, have a, a text or reference scripture on it. And usually I don't get any comment. One time if I said, so where's this Indiana Bible camp? You know, and that didn't lead to a biblical discussion, but you know, he saw the, the logo and we're not in Indiana. And so it, you know, it, he, he asked about it. Um, so it, it, it might lead to a conversation, but in the big picture, little slogans, um, bumper stickers, uh, you know, T-shirts, those aren't going to convince people. If it leads to a discussion where people can sit down and, and look at God's creation and look at the word and and look at decisions they need to make in their life. Wonderful. That's fantastic. But there are some, I'm, I'm afraid there are some people in the world whose approach is more market driven than, than the work of the gospel. In other words, if you want to influence people to drink Pepsi instead of Coke or Coke instead of Pepsi, what do you do? Give a discount. Something, something eye-catching, something clever, some jingle, some, you know, the, this is the drink for the youth. The old people drink that. You, you, you want something like that that often has very little to do with the product itself. Um, and we need to, if something can help start a conversation, fine. But, but Christianity can't be boiled down to, I wear a shirt, it makes a statement, you know, like a Nike swoosh or something, therefore other people will become Christians or buy Nikes. So just talking about, just talking about this idea of, of um, what was the word you said, Stephen? Radiate or Scott? Was Ra- that- radiate. Radiate. Just, well, just radiate. Wearing, almost radiate. wearing the gospel on our sleeve, so to speak. Lives uh, and radiate light. I mean, that's where light yeah. be a light. You need to radiate. Yes. Right. So I had a I had a good day last week in the sense of um, you know taking advantage of opportunities to try to create uh, conversations. Um, I you know I'm an evangelist. And I'm ashamed to say that I'm an evangelist. 
I don't always do a very good job of being quick to evangelize just in, in my communications with, you know, somebody behind the counter at this store or, or, or somebody I encounter, wherever it may be. And we want to be quick to do that. Um, but I had a good day yesterday. You know, I think of John 4 and Jesus at the well with the woman uh, there at, outside the village of Sicker. And he takes a conversation that was very natural about water because he's there at a well. There's a woman coming to draw water. And I have no doubt Jesus knew where he was going with that conversation. You can go from the physical water to the spiritual water. And uh, so I'll just mention two, two examples. Same day. Now, the first one may sound a little corny. It may sound a little um, awkward. It may even sound a little creepy. <laughs> Our viewership just went up. <laughs> People you know, want to hear about your awkward conversation. Go ahead. But you try. You just try. And sometimes, right. You, all right. So I don't know. I don't remember what store I was in, but there was a, a, a young lady waiting on me, and she had a name tag, and her name was Angel. And so I said, oh, your name is Angel. Do you believe in angels? And she said, yes, I do. And I said, well, do you believe in Jesus? And she said, yes, I do. And I took my receipt and walked away. <laughs> and so I, I, I didn't, I wasn't, and to be sure, you know, she's waiting to deal with the next customer. So I had a little bit better situation a little bit later on. So, okay, moving past the awkward, creepy one. <laughs> but the next one was, uh, and, and you should try this because you'll, you'll have a captive audience. And captive audiences are, are nice. Uh, go for a test drive. Go to a used car lot and offer to test drive a car. Now, t- I was not being deceptive. I really did want to test drive this car. I was looking at possibly a car that would be a nice road car for the grandkids and whatnot. So I, I go on this test drive. And, of course, the salesman, he's going to ask, what do you do? And, well, this is natural for me. I'm a preacher. So, well, I'm a preacher. And that leads to a conversation that he couldn't go anywhere. I'm driving. He's stuck in the passenger seat. And uh, so I've got about 10 minutes here just to kind of give him a, an overview of the Bible uh, in 10 minutes. And at first, it was clear he was just uh, humoring me because he wants to sell a car. But I'm not sure But what we got to the point where he goes, you know what? That's really kind of interesting. I'm not sure but what he was serious. But anyway, what I'm saying here is find opportunities, look for opportunities in your interactions with people to talk about the gospel with them. Yeah, we had another comment come in on the Facebook thread uh, from Brienne. says, I have several either Bible-specific or positive messages. There's a shirt that says, Thankful Mama, for example. Uh, shirts that I enjoy wearing to give a small glimpse into priorities in my life but I don't expect it to actually change someone's life. Um, So there are other ways that uh, it may not be as overtly Christian, but to have a positive message, something like that, that is another kind of genre of shirt that can be effective or or start conversations. Uh, I know some people also will, will wear, uh, you know, like a cross or some piece of jewelry. Um, There've been different times where people, I know when I was growing up, it was the WWJD bracelets. I don't know if y'all remember that phase that what would Jesus do Um, and so it's interesting to seeing different ways that people approach sharing the gospel I appreciate Jeff you sharing that story of of starting conversations with people um, because you just never know where those will go whether you're you're on a plane with somebody 
and uh, you know, you get to talking with them. Uh, I've had several interesting yep. conversations. Another captive audience situation. <laughs> yeah. And, and every once in a while you can just tell, like you try to steer the conversation towards spiritual things. So you like kind of put out a spiritual lead in and it comes back like totally somewhere else. Right. So another spiritual lead in and it comes like just deflection. Like, and, and, and sometimes I think it's good to kind of take a hint. And if somebody is not open to that, um, it, it, it probably won't be effective to try to badger them about it. Um, it, it, we, it, all it, it the, we all saw the t-shirts and that's what we're talking about. But have you guys seen the tattoos? Yeah. <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> so, so it is interesting though. When you think about John four, the woman ends up asking Jesus a question about what truth is, about who is right, the Samaritans versus the Jews. And she asks him that after she gets a sense of who he is. Mm. She asks him that after she realizes he's a prophet. Um, and and this, this, there's a point here to be made. We're going to be most effective with people who have a sense of who we are, who know yeah. us in some way. Yes. And so... Uh, the, the fact is, sure, total strangers on the airplane, you know, I've done that, and, and uh, people at the store, great, use those opportunities. But the people that we know the best are the people where we're most likely to have a, a, a good opportunity to have a serious conversation where they're really interested in what I have to say. But the problem is sometimes the people we know the best are the ones we shy away from discussing the gospel with them because we don't want to risk endangering the friendship that we have with them. Let's go over some uh, just examples. Each of us think of in our own life, uh, a conversation that did lead up to a Bible study that might, you know, by the example of it, illustrate some principle. Uh, I'll, I'll throw out two real quick. And then if you guys will throw out some as well. Uh, one just on the little things sometimes make a difference. And sometimes when we're trying to do big things, it doesn't, you know, we can in work really hard on this great idea. It might not be productive, but sometimes just little things are. So this one was, this was in Prague in the Czech Republic. And I used to set up a little table outside of the subway and I had a little sign, Bible Studium, and I had some Czech Bibles and I would make appointments with people coming off the subway and sometimes nobody's talking to you, sometimes somebody is. And there was an old gentleman, elderly fellow, who came up and was talking to me about what Prague was like and what things were like during World War II. And I found it interesting, and I was, you know, talking to this old man, just listening to him as he talked. What I didn't know was that there was a lady watching. She was an English professor at a university, and she was watching – I didn't, I, I was happy to talk to this fella, but she was really intrigued and it led, she ended up getting a, a Bible study with, with one of the other brethren there. And, uh, and later she said what caught her attention was that there was this American, this young American and this old man was talking to him. And instead of brushing him off, you know, this American was sitting there listening and patiently being kind and interested in this old man. And she was wondering, why is he doing that? And that's what intrigued her. So, so you know, sometimes it's just little things of being a decent person that, you know, will sometimes intrigue people. 
Um, and, and sometimes things just fall into our laps. Uh, this next uh, one shows both the way not to do it and the way to do it. Uh, Stephen and I have a dear friend, Audrey, and um, she is she's blind and has been since she was a baby. And I never met her, but I know her son, knew her son. And he told me one day, he said, if you know anybody needs a Braille Bible, my mom has one that uh, is, you know, she could give away because she's getting a new one. Failure on me the first time, I just said, I don't know of anybody. <laughs> Fail. <laughs> Second time, he mentioned, I said, hey, tell your mom if she would like somebody to come read the Bible with her, I'd love to come do that. And now, you know, we do that all the time, throwing out, you know, uh, offers, and most people don't take up on that. But people that want to read the Bible will. And so the very next day, she called on the phone, and she said, I would like to read the Bible together. And, of course, she's part of the group there that uh, Stephen's with there in Harrisburg. And so but those things won't fall into our laps when we're not, responding and throwing out there and shame on me for not offering the first time I heard about uh, her Braille Bible. Well, going back to the point I was making a moment ago about, and I, I'll, I'll encourage everybody listening to, to think about this when we're talking about having conversations that might lead to a Bible study. The point I was making a moment ago is you're going to be most effective with the people who know you best. Well, who are some of the people who know you best? Maybe your next door neighbors. I mean, literally the people who li live next door to you, Where, wherever we've lived, I've tried to make it a point to talk to the people who live around us about the gospel where we live now. I've been able to have Bible studies, not just conversations, but just by asking, just get to talking to your neighbor one day and say, Hey, how, would you be interested in studying the Bible with me? And so I've had Bible studies with the people on the South side of our house and on the North side of our house. Um, in where we lived before in Virginia, we, I ended up having an ongoing study with the people who live directly across from us. Um, and, and here's a thought, Scott, you talk about reading the Bible together with somebody. A lot of times people are intimidated about having a Bible study because they don't know, what would we study? What would I teach them? What would I, I need a book. I need an outline. I need just offer to sit down and read the Bible together. And you'll have opportunities as you read the Bible. The text will present the opportunities to challenge them where they need to be challenged. Matt Vaughn uh, comes in with a, with a question, or actually a comment. Paul always first targeted religiously centered areas to teach, like synagogues or Mars Hill. What might be some equivalent examples for us to look for today? Good question. I have thought about that same question because sometimes it seems like, oh, there's just these places where people would go and there'd be all these different ideas and people get up and share their ideas. And, and, and certainly our culture has changed a lot. In some ways, the internet is the place where people go for information. It, it's a lot different though because to get your voice heard on the internet is differently than just going to a place and standing up and taking the floor and having a captive audience there who's going to listen to what you have to say. Uh, with YouTube videos or anything else, people have control over what they hear. And if they don't like something they're reading, they don't like something they're watching, they just click away and they, they go listen to something else. And so that can be challenging though. The internet, I mean, wow, it is a, 
that's where so many people go these days for, for their information with their Bible questions. And so I know Scott, you've had your three minute Bible study.com up for a while. And, um, uh, that's a, a way to reach out to people. Um, and of course, three minutes, uh, people's, especially at internet attention span tends to be pretty short. Um, so Scott, I don't know if you want to talk about that for a minute. Well, before he does, uh, go, there, go ahead, Drew. Yeah, before you go there, let me just share with you something that happened here locally, where I I got wind of uh, it was a denominational church in town, and they didn't they they didn't have their priest that they were in between or they don't have one, and so I interjected there. Says, "Wow, if you want someone to come in and fill in, I'd like to fill in. Let me let me know if I could you know present a sermon or not uh, occasionally." And it was received well by the person. She says, well, let me bring that back and see if that can be done. So you never know. And I don't know if that's going to come about, but that there's another opportunity there you're going into that kind of scenario. What were you going to say, Scott? I was just going to comment on the Internet. Um, people have really short attention spans on the Internet. So uh, the video is up on uh, YouTube channel, 3-Minute Bible Study and the website. Um, I think it's, I think I've had around 60,000 views, but you know how long the average view is? A little over half. So even with three minutes, and you can go into the analytics and see 10% almost of people click out within the first five seconds. Wow. People on the internet are like the old channel surfer. You know, yeah, and it's, you can look at the graph and it's like you, you go from 100% down to 90% in like maybe four or five seconds. But the, I'm impressed, though, if, if around half are sticking it out for a minute and a half. When you, when you said, when you kind of left it hanging there for us to guess, I was thinking, what, uh, 15 seconds is the average or something? And if they're getting a minute and a half into it before they're... Well, yeah, and so that means some people are watching all the way through or even re-watching, yeah. and then other people are clicking out in the first five seconds and then some partway through. That's uh, And so they, there is a short attention span. on the, And I, you can watch, and, the, you know, this was thousands out, so it's, you're, it's not just a little varying thing. It is decreasing. Over the last four years, it is decreasing. Mm-hmm. It's like, it used to be like average would be a minute 54, then like a minute 50, then in the minute 40s, and now we're down to like the minute 33s. Mm-hmm. The internet audience is getting uh, shorter and shorter uh, ADHD. <laughs> As John Folks says, ADLAS. Which is? Attention deficit. Look, a squirrel. <laughs> 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 nice. Like yeah, there's been some. Uh, let's talk about this for just a second. The importance of questions in evangelism. Yeah. Whether you want to talk about how Jesus taught, or how we can teach, or or when we're in a study. Uh, so, what about that? The importance of questions. Oh, I I love asking questions. Yeah, All one right. of the important things about. Go ahead. Well, Go ahead. One of the important things about asking questions, especially as you're getting to know somebody, uh, is just the importance of listening, uh, asking them where they're coming from, uh, asking them what they've learned about the Bible. Uh, 
Jesus had the advantage of knowing the hearts of all men. And so he could always put his finger right on what was what they needed to hear. But we don't know somebody. And a lot of times we assume we know, we think we know. And there's context clues we can use to get an idea. But the best way to find out something about somebody is to have them tell you. And the best way to do that is to listen, <laughs> ask yep. good questions, uh, figure out where they're coming from. And sometimes you can even challenge somebody's view on something by simply asking them, why do you believe that? Yeah. And sometimes people haven't thought about why they believe something or else. That's just the way they were raised. And, and that's an, an, un, an unintrusive. It's, it's not an intrusive way to get somebody to think about why do they stand where they stand? And that's just an interesting kind of curiosity. If you say, why do you believe that can be aggressive, but you know, what are the reasons that you believe that? And if they tell you, if they're, if they're misunderstanding something, if they're wrong, and you want to know what is the reasons that you believe that, when they answer you, now you know where you can help them. And if we don't ask, sometimes we're shooting around in the dark, think, well, this might be, okay, and, and we can be answering a number of other things that aren't really their roadblock. Yeah. So, so when I, so when I say, what are you crazy? That, that, that doesn't work. No, that's fairly <laughs> a good question. Unless it's a hypochondriac, crazy person who <laughs> likes to talk about the fact that they're crazy. Oh, I, I interrupted you, Jeff. What were you going to say? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Oh, I do want to go back to something. We, we talked a minute ago about, um, going into religious settings where there are people who have religious interest. Um, we do see Paul going into the synagogues routinely in Athens. We see him um, talking about the altar to the unknown God, but I think that it would be, um, we probably shouldn't draw the conclusion that Paul was routinely looking for religious people. He went to the synagogues. Yes, because to the right. Jew first and also to the Greek. The synagogue is going to be the place where the Jews who have a background, who have been uh, ostensibly prepared for understanding the Messiah, um, certainly God had done his part to prepare them, whether they were always ready or not, depended on the individual. But so, yes, Paul was looking for Jews who had been prepared. Uh, when he went to, and let's look at Acts 17 here. And, and let's start in Acts chapter 17 and verse 16, where it says, While Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he beheld the city full of idols. The whole city is full of idols. You can say this is a religious context, but if you say this is a religious context, you justify that by saying, well, they, all, they had a bunch of idols. And that's really no different than any setting we're in in the world today. Uh, we're surrounded by people who worship a bunch of different idols. And so um, if, if you're in the shopping mall, if you're at the golf course, you're in a setting similar to this. You're, you're around people who worship a bunch of idols. And then he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with them that met him. So, yes, he is about Jews in the synagogue, but I really think what we see in Acts 17 is an indication that rather than just looking for people who had a religious interest and, and were prepared, uh, it's a good example of just going into society uh, where they don't know about the true God and reaching out to them. 
playing golf is has something to do with idols? I tell you what, um, there are some golfers who who worship golf. There are some football fans who worship football. There are some, you know, idolatry comes in many forms. Exactly. And, and really, when you get right down to it, um, no man can serve two masters. Jesus makes that statement in a context where the two masters are either one one is God and one is riches, money. And you look at what people are serving today and whether it be pleasure or whether it be money or whatever, we're talking about idolatry if it's something that competes with devotion to the true God. You know, as we also think about ways to use the Internet effectively, I know there's been some different people who use, this is just practical things now about uh, ways that people have come in contact with people who are seeking. There is a website called meetup.com that's not a religious website at all. It's a... people meeting up to do different sorts of things, whether it's biking or hiking or whatever. Um, but some people have put Bible studies on that site and gotten some, uh, some results from that. Uh, Cause sometimes people are looking to see who's getting together and doing things in the community. Oh, here's a group doing a Bible reading and they're discussing the Bible. I'd like to be a part of that. Scott. Also, and we've just got a few minutes left here, but a few reminders because sometimes you have good hearted people who want to be involved in evangelism and they take something and they they just try to go with that. Like maybe, oh, here's a correspondence course I like, and you try to give it to everybody, or here's a tract I like, and you try to give it to everybody, or, or something else. And there's a couple of principles to keep in mind. The apostles, when you look at their work in Acts, they don't do that. The message is tailored to where the person is at. So, for instance, Paul's sermon it, the synagogue in Antioch of Pisidia is very different than his sermon at Mars Hill. They both end with Jesus Christ, but they begin at different points because it's different audiences. One is a Jewish audience, so he begins with Jewish history and Hebrew scripture, gets to Jesus Christ. The other are pagans who are not familiar with the Hebrew scriptures, who don't you know, consider the Hebrew prophets a source that they look to, so he instead starts where they're at in their idolatry and starts talking about the God that created everything and gets to Jesus Christ. The, the uh, Ethiopian eunuch happened to be in Isaiah 53. Uh, Philip doesn't say, oh, yeah, set that aside. Here's where I like to start. He began <laughs> at that scripture and preached to him Jesus. So in other words, seeing where the person is. There, there's a funny incident one time somebody had studied with somebody for quite a while, and eventually they were it got to how you respond to uh, the good news of Jesus dying for us and encourage the person to be baptized. And the person wasn't being responsive. And they said, well, what hinders you? And they said, I don't believe in God. Well, that, that study did not start back far enough. And that's the other thing I want to say this quickly is Romans ten seventeen tells us where faith in Christ comes from. Faith in Christ has to come from where? Romans 10, 17. Hearing, hearing the word of God. Yeah, hearing the word of God. Uh, but Romans 1, 20 tells us where you can see the invisible things of God, even if you were a Gentile without the Bible. And that would be by looking at what? Creation. What made. Yes. And <laughs> we're, we're not in a society where we can assume that everybody already accepts the Bible. And when we're talking to unbeliever friends, if we just begin with saying, well, it says right there that God created it, 
it's very important to use the Romans 120 principle in getting people to look to see, hey, how did we get here? Is there a God? Once that's understood, to find out has God communicated and has sent his son, we can't get to faith in Christ without scripture, but recognizing those two uh, venues. All right. Do we have a full minute left? Are we down to just one? Yes, we do. Let me do something real quick with you guys. Talking about uh, starting where somebody is, like the eunuch was reading Isaiah 53, start there. So I'm going to throw out three things real quickly, just the kind of non-threatening conversation you, you might have with somebody who's mentioned something in the Bible. See if you guys can figure out how to use it and get to Jesus or talk about the gospel. So it's Passover time, and somebody's saying, uh, hey, uh, our church um, decided to celebrate Passover. Uh, how, do you get, how do you go talk about Passover and get to Jesus? Do you know what Passover is about? And the answer is? It's about God's deliverance of his people from Egypt. Do you know what that represented in Israel's history? And then Jesus is death by the blood of the lamb, and Jesus is the lamb. All right, secondly, second one, this one always comes up, often comes up. Why do Jews have all those crazy rules about not eating pork? They didn't have refrigerators. Drew, <laughs> that doesn't get you to Christ. That <laughs> gets you to follow oh, oh, I, I forgot. I, all right, okay. okay. <laughs> all right. So we may have to save this for, for next week. But, you know, really, it's true. Everything in the Old Testament ends up being about Jesus, and, and that does too. Let me throw out the third one real quick. The flood. There's some flood in the news, and somebody said, oh, it's like Noah's Ark. And what, what, what do you do with that? Yeah. And maybe you can say, and, you know, lots of times people think of, oh, yeah, because he saved the animals. And he did. But that wasn't the only thing that was happening. The flood, the, the ark saved the animals. The flood drowned the wicked. And so we see their, their a judgment and a separation between the, the righteous and the unrighteous. And the separation was made by water, by the way. And there you go. All right. And so you get around to the to our being separated from sin when we were baptized in Christ. Just thought we'd try that little exercise. We'll have to come back and explain the dietary laws, how you get there from that, maybe another week. Yeah, yeah. I threw a wrench into that one on you, Jeff. Ended up selling a refrigerator. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank everybody today. It was a really good conversation. Um, and uh, Jonathan, thanks for our first day here. You are going to close out the broadcast today when we're ready to go. You just close it out and uh, anything else gentlemen before we okay see everyone next week enjoyed being with you today